to a new season of HOA It's a True Story. Today, we're speaking with Caroline McCormick. She is the internal auditor of client services from Omni Community Management. And she recently wrote an article on the great resignation. In this podcast, we're going to discuss with Caroline what is happening with managers and what we might expect in the future of HOA management. So thank you for joining us today, Caroline, and welcome to HOA It's a True Story. Thanks, Reagan. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, truly. Also joining us today is Bill Mann, and I am your host, Reagan Brown. I went to high school with Bill Mann. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> That's a claim to fame that you both survived. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got involved in this. I bought a condominium right out of college in the early 80s. And you know how things go. You get recruited to be on the landscape committee and then become a board member. And <laughs> at the time I was working in a sales job which I wasn't particularly fond of, great training, but too much travel. So I took a summer off and Ann Hudson recruited me to come to work for her. I won't ask you what year that was since we already know we all went to high school the same, <laughs> at the same time, so. 1989. <laughs> well, you recently wrote this article that really caught our attention on Stop the Great Resignation. So, Tell us a little bit about who is resigning and why are they resigning and why, why the article? It's interesting. People are making different choices. A lot of it is a post-COVID world mm -hmm. where people have learned that they can work remotely. They can work from other cities and other states, if not other countries. Also, I think the COVID situation caused us all to take a step back and reevaluate what was important to us family first. It allowed people to not have to commute up to an hour a day to an office. We no longer had to drive to night board meetings. That freed up between probably six and 10 hours of folks time per week, which wow. is huge when you start to think about the, the amount of time we spend in our jobs and how little we get to spend at home and with our families. So I think Part of the great resignation is that people learned that there were other choices and they could mm -hmm. do other things. But I think the other thing too is that people are understanding now that it's a difficult job and they don't have to do it. That's a good point. We have to find a reason for them to want to do it. Most managers want to help people. They want to solve problems. They want to have differing day-to-day -day operational experiences and they really want to help people. But as People become more demanding, their expectations change, they become more unreasonable. Managers are finding other avenues to pursue career-wise. I, I think mm -hmm. that's really what's happening. Do you think that, you know, the attitudes of the your your basically your clients has changed dramatically? A lot of industries, either during the pandemic or kind of post-pandemic, have experienced whether it's the restaurants or the airlines or a huge uptick in and rude behavior. Have you guys seen that with your clients as well? On the transition to working from home was seamless. We were already set up with VoIP systems for phone. Everybody had a laptop. It was pretty simple. But I don't think all of our community association members were, had, were so fortunate. A lot of them got forced into working from home and looking at their community every day, which they used to drive through to get to their house. 
now they're out and about walking and looking at things. So I think, A, they had a lot more face time with their community, and B, the uncertainties caused some anxiety, and it caused people to react differently, many of whom were negative. A lot of gratitude, but also a lot of demand. So in your article, you kind of talk about how leadership is going to be playing a bigger and bigger role in this, and that the lack of leadership will affect the morale of the staff. Do you think that that is going to be a key part in how they go forward, whether they're micromanaged or not? Oh, absolutely. Melissa Hadjistuck nailed it when she said, put down your clipboards and whistles. This is a people industry. People work to pay their bills and support their families, but there has to be something else in it. There has to be a connection, a connection to the client, a connection to other staff members. I fully believe that the companies that are going to be successful are going to have great servant leaders. Mm -hmm. Well, we have an employee shortage. And so if we're struggling to keep jobs filled, this is going to play a bigger role in how you manage that staff. So the corporate culture is going to become a big part of that. But if we have people working remotely, how do you keep that connection so that they feel like they're in a good place and the company feels like they're getting value for service, right? Because if you're at home working, I don't know what you're doing. I need to know that you're really getting your job done. How do, how do we bridge that gap there? Yeah, without turning it into a micromanagement nightmare, I guess is what my concern is. So HOA management industry, no manager is going to survive more than two or three months if they're not, you know, doing their job. It, it'll become fairly apparent if there are no minutes, no manager's report, the board hasn't seen a financial. That's pretty obvious. But how do you know what they are doing? We broke it down into smaller teams so that each office has a, a team member that's responsible for that particular aspect. And then we talk to our team members at least weekly, if not more often, checking in, checking in about things that aren't necessarily related to work. And then on a, a larger screen, we have weekly staff meetings with the entire company via Zoom mm -hmm. and talk about you know the wins when we manage a particularly difficult situation. You know, the team gets a shout out for thinking outside of the box to help through the issue. Individually, we, we talk to our, our staff. And then as a group, we talk to our staff. We still do in-person meetings, you know, the holiday luncheon. We had movie day recently. We had a kayak evening where we went out and kayaked in Sacramento. That was pretty fun and funny. So you have to use all the tools available to you. You have to call you have to Zoom, um, and you have to reach out to people individually. You made the comment of talking to them not about work issues, which you know typically is a line that a lot of times employers didn't like to cross. Are you feeling now that that's a more important thing, that it's okay to cross and maybe get more involved in whatever's going on in their personal worlds, how they're it doing is, mentally? It is a fine line, but it became significantly more important during COVID. Many people were not used to being isolated at home. Some people, especially who were single, found going to an office, you know, as their social outlet, or at least part of it, their office family. 
it, I, I think what I found is that you can check in with people and ask how they're doing and let them know that there's really no topic that's off limits. And then let them talk to you about, you know, what's important to them without necessarily, you know, crossing that, that fine line and asking probing questions. That sounds a little bit like some of the wellness programs we've been talking about. But I, I know in your article, you mentioned that Rolf Crocker teaches more of a servant leadership. What does he do and how does that work to improve the morale of the team? We're going through Maxwell's teachings. And he spends a good half hour or more on his book talking about leadership and how leaders are usually competent, not always, but they're competent at their jobs and move up in their position. But really, their job is to serve the, the staff and the client. That's really the leadership model. A lot of people in management may be a very good manager to a community, but they've never managed peers or subordinates. And that's a really good way to develop leadership skills. So it's really progressive that he does that. And I'm really happy to hear he does that because it helps everybody develop some leadership skills that they may have never been trained in before. Uh, so yeah, kudos to him. I struggled with that when I owned my own company and watching Rolf, it's like, oh, well, gee, I should have done that. But um, <laughs> you're right. He develops his executive team and he develops each individual member of the staff. So let's go back for just a minute to, I mentioned the, la the labor shortage out there. And mm -hmm. you mentioned, hey, if they aren't doing their job, we're going to know pretty quickly and we're going to pack their bags and send them off. Um, because there's such a shortage, I imagine even poor performing employees are going to get picked up again at another company simply because there's such a, a small amount of people to pull from. We saw in 2017, there was about 44 million baby boomers scheduled to retire over a seven-year stretch. When we hit COVID, it accelerated that retirement. And a lot of those older folks decided to retire early or just go ahead and get out while COVID was there and, and let it go. With not that many people coming into the industry, I imagine that it's going to be more critical than ever to create a culture and a work base that is symbiotic so that you, you retain people. Have you found retaining employees in your company to be an issue or has that not been a problem? It isn't so much if we offer them options. So for instance, right now, my assistant is uh, had a family move and she's living in Great Britain. Wow. She's my assistant. She handles customer service. She handles um, all of the administrative tasks that you would normally handle. Uh, a manager wouldn't, wouldn't spend a lot of time on. So if you make it available and work around, the key is to find out what's important to them. Do they like the work, but they have to move because their partner got transferred? Do they, did they find a better living environment or cheaper housing in Tennessee? So they need to relocate for their family. So only one partner has to work, but the other one can stay home and raise the family. If you can make it work for them, that's a really intriguing way to get them to stay, to retain staff. Sometimes it's as much as people just, they want, uh, they want a four day work week. If you can ac accommodate a four day work week, though, they'd be happy to stay. But They've got to tell you what they need, and they, it, the door has to be open for them to ask. 
Although part of the definition of the great resignation was that people simply weren't going back to work because they didn't necessarily have to with some of the financial resources that became available. Did not necessarily at your company, but did you see that at all when you were researching your article and talking to the other managers? Well, our industry, as you know, is, was considered a vital, so we were able to operate. Um, what I saw mostly was that new construction required in California 165 new managers during COVID. Where are we going to get 165 new managers when right. we have people retiring and leaving the industry? That's the significant problem. We didn't have a lot of resignation or departure because of COVID. Like I said, it was fairly seamless. Everybody had the tools they needed to do their job, and we just had to learn to work from home and, and figure out how to make that, that happen. Now, Caroline, the state of emergency has been lifted, so I guess technically aren't Zoom meet board meetings no longer a valid option at this point? How is that going to affect going forward with people that have been relocating and working from home? Are you going to have to go back to in-person meetings? I don't plan to because <laughs> I'm also not living in the Bay Area. But the requirement under civil code is that there be a place for homeowners to attend and hear the deliberations. It doesn't mean that the board has to meet in, in person. It means that they have to have one, one person there to support the meeting. So any one board member could host, they could change it, they could have it at a, and, and continue to do it via Zoom. They could have it in a meeting space. So really, if they can accommodate that requirement, we can continue to meet by Zoom. That's a super important, well-defined answer in that regard, because we have been hearing a lot of different things. So I'm really glad to hear as long as the meeting can be supported, then it can still be a Zoom meeting. Hybrid meetings where the board meets in the clubhouse and I've attended by Zoom. Yeah, I've been to a couple of board meetings where the, the board members have been in the clubhouse and the manager has been remote and I've been remote. So yep. uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, do you see with people relocating, things like that, do you see managers eventually being able to relocate and then have maybe I would call new positions or maybe you have them in your company that are doing site inspections for them or the physical stuff you have to do for the property that somebody else is going out and doing the, that type of work versus the manager? Yeah, that's, I think one of the keys people have discovered besides automation is segregation of duties so that the manager con concentrates on things that are critical to board and community issues and then support staff does specific jobs. For instance, we have a dedicated site inspector. I can go to the property anytime, meet with a vendor or do a job walk, but I have somebody who does compliance and maintenance inspections for me. The latest buzz that I've been hearing is that if you can do your job remotely, watch out because that means somebody can do your job remotely from pretty much anywhere. That's a good and point. I, <laughs> I, I see a lot of Staffing services now offering assistant managers out of Mexico or the Philippines. A couple of our competitors have availed themselves of that, and we actually got our first accountant who's based in Mexico. 
Yeah, wow. we've seen that with some of our competitors as well. Some of the other construction companies have moved their accounting and corporate functions uh, overseas and don't actually house them in their offices here any longer. So, Well, you know, we have about 22 million people entering into the workforce and the people that are going to be in the workforce for the next 10 years are already born. They're already in school, you know, so we know pretty much there's this finite pool of people that are coming in. So you're going to have to get employees somewhere and you're going to have to figure out a way to get them in. I think the next step would then be kind of right along what you were saying. If you have 167 new managers that needed to come on that quickly, how do you onboard those people, get them all their equipment, make sure they're trained in your process? all remote. That's, that's a challenge. That's not something that you can do quickly and easily in a, you know, two day period of orientation. It is not. No, as you know, this industry, uh, it, there's no booklet to read. And when A happens, push button B, that, right. that's not a thing. CSM was Tom Freely was able to get Cal State Fullerton to offer a certificate program, which would be all of the CSM courses, the BAM the financial management ethics, but we couldn't get any signups. After offering it for two semesters, we couldn't get anyone in the door. So I think hmm. we're starting to look now at um, community colleges and other workforce training, because I think people just don't know about this. this That's what I was going to say is, is especially that age group yeah. of college entry level. They don't even know what an HOA is. And most of the people, when we ask them how they got into this industry, it's never by design. It's usually by I moved in and got this condo or somebody dragged me in, you know, that, that I knew somebody's parent or something like that. So it's going to take some educating the public that there's this industry for people mm -hmm. to go into. And I applaud Tom for trying to go there, but I think it will have to start at the junior college level. And uh, we did a podcast a few weeks back with solving labor shortages with a community college. And they actually said that is one of the things they've been doing is bringing certification to a lower level so that they can get people into the industries, all of the industries, not just HOA, but then get them trained in, and get their toes wet so that we can kind of bring them all the way in. Yeah, everybody grows up knowing a doctor or a lawyer or an insurance agent or a CPA, but not too many people grow up and their, their friends are HOA management professionals. <laughs> so there yeah. really isn't, there isn't, a, but our, Ami's been very successful in training and promoting from within. So our assistant managers after two or three years of work get promoted and become association managers. We've been very successful in, in that in that process. Well, you mentioned hybrid, right? That you work from home. Is there ever a time where you would see that you have to come into the office once a week and then you can work or once a month or, you know, where there's a period where you have to come in person and then you can work the rest of your job remote? Yes. Hybrid is the model now. And whether it's one day a week or two days a week, um, I, even for administrative staff, if they get to work from home one or two days a week, but we still have to maintain the brick and mortar because we still have clients coming in. We still have mail to process. We can't abandon it fully. So not every employee gets to work from home. If you have to have someone there collecting the mail and 
taking ah. care of office space. But we rotate it. Someone's in the office every day, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily the same people. So do you think this has all contributed to stopping the great resignation? I think it's the key to continue to stop the great resignation, yes. I think working for a company that prides itself on its culture, which used to kind of be a buzzword, but I, I'm believing now that it's trust team and transparency. We, we have to live that. We can't just talk about it in marketing materials. I think that is what's going to help maintain our industry and also attract new, new people to it. You mentioned at the beginning that there was this kind of grew out of the pandemic taking place with the shutdown. I think there was also a real fear that people didn't want to go back into the workspace for fear for their health or people they lived with, their loved ones and health. You know, so I do think there was quite a few reasons why people didn't want to go back to the workspace. Do you find that by having the hybrid profile, they're more willing, even if it's only one day a week or two days a week, they're a little more willing to go back? Or did you find resistance and some people just know it's, I'm staying at home or I'm not coming back? Ironically, there were people who came back as soon as they were able. I would say that was a smaller proportion of the workforce, but there were people who really did better, functioned better in a workspace. And then there were people like me who really don't need to go to the office. I do miss the camaraderie, but the hybrid schedule where we continue to offer people the chance to work from home has worked out. Even if it's just one day a week, or even if they only have to come to the office one day a week, because it's a good exercise to come and see your peers. I think your comment about doing smaller group leadership and then jumping up to the larger is really the key. I know that we really struggled with some of our people working from home, not really being at home working or not really putting in the time that was necessary. And then it's really a struggle to determine whether you're going to keep that employee or not, because there was a lot of employment rules that came into play, leaving us vulnerable as employers to get that real work quality. And that became an issue for us. I know we struggled a little bit. Yeah, I think for as many people that maybe didn't put in the hours, there were the rest of us who overcommitted because we had those two hours extra that we didn't have to commute that we could do the work. That's um, a big difference. Not commuting to board meetings for everybody in the industry was a big deal. Yeah, I could do my prep time an hour before the meeting instead of in the afternoon and then get stuck in traffic. I think that that was huge. The digital meeting has gotten much better too, right? It it started out at the beginning where people weren't really clear and you know, now there's more etiquette involved and there's more consistency. People know how to get on now and they know whether they're muted or not muted. It still has its problems, but they're getting better. And uh, like everything, it's a new technological evolution. So let's hope that all of these changes will continue to work towards our benefit of having this hybrid culture going forward. I can say Zoom meetings have really cut down on the meeting time. People yeah. aren't typically late to a Zoom meeting and um, they don't chit chat as much, which 
we can do afterwards, but we get the business done in the one hour of time that it really is allotted. I think people appreciate that. Well, maybe you should write an article on the next go round, Caroline, about getting new managers attracted to our industry because it has some of these really great benefits that they can do a lot of hybrid scheduling and gives them maybe some more flexibility and freedom than some other career paths out there. Job fairs at the local colleges. I actually, my next article is on creative financing when faced with a special assessment. Those issues are coming as well. Um, we'll, we'll look forward we to the have, podcast. <laughs> yeah, we may have to have you back on on that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the name of the, of the podcast is HOA, It's a True Story. Do you have a story to share with us today? I do. When I started to work in the industry, I had two job offers. One was with a large corporation, which is what I had worked for in the past. So I picked the smaller local family-owned business. On my and I wasn't sure, you know, you go to the office, you're not really sure. It takes a couple of days to get the hang of it. I think on my third day, I got a call from resident owner who was not a resident who stated that his tenant reported that he was being shocked by his bathtub when he was showering. And so I thought about that and I called an electrician. We went out to the unit, we met the owner. Sure enough, there were 70 volts running through the bathtub. It was a um, Apartment conversion, Walnut Creek, older building, and the guy was showering with booties and, you know, scuba diving uh, gloves <laughs> in order to not get shocked. So the electrician, it was a six-unit building. We turned off the power to each unit, finally determined that it was the unit below that was causing the electrical shock in the bathtub. They'd done extensive remodeling. We figure they must have hit a wire somehow. So we grounded the bathtub. And then you want to know if there was a fire danger. Ironically, 20 years later, when I was with a different firm, I got the client back and found all my notes in my handwriting in the file about having grounded the bathtub. And it it was still solid. So that's my, and that's when I knew that this was the job for me, when I grounded the bathtub on my third day. Oh, that's awesome. And then to find your notes 20 years later, still relevant. But that just goes to show the proof is in the documentation, right? Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's awesome. What a shocking experience. (laughs) Well, Caroline, thank you for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. It was a great story, too. Really love that. Lovely seeing both of you. Love to meet with you again and keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. Keep writing those articles. (laughs) All right. 